were supposed to go ice skating yesterday as a church, but we ended up having to pivot a little bit because of the rain and went roller skating instead. And uh, and I so a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up in Alaska, and I started. I've been playing hockey since I was two two years old. I played competitively all through high school. I played in college. I played a lot of uh, pretty intense hockey. And so when I get out there, the only thing I can think about is just smashing people. I, I mean, like, I'm like skating around like, oh, man, I could just destroy this little kid so bad, um, you know. And uh, it was, so it's super fun. But there were some people that were there, and they were like, man, uh, I mean, Taylor, Taylor, who was up here today um, playing guitar, she's got her own pair of roller skates. And when someone shows up with their own pair of roller skates, just don't even go out there, right? Um, but anyway, it was funny. We were skating around, and Don and I, were, we were, like, skating by each other. And she's like, yeah, because, I mean, kids are falling everywhere. And, and I'm pretty decent on roller skates. I'm better at ice hockey and, or skating and, and at rollerblades. But I was just, like, hopping over all these kids. And she's like, you're just, like, just stepping over them. She's like, some of the other people are helping them up. And I was like, oh. But, you know, growing up in Alaska, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time outdoors um, and fished a lot, fly fished a lot. And so when I uh, became an adult, I spent some time uh, being a fly fishing guide. And I still do a little bit of fly fishing guiding right now. Love it. I love being outdoors. And, and you know, that's some of the reasons why I love our community, right? I mean, we just have so many other natural resources all around us. And and uh, the other day, I had an opportunity to go fishing. And so a lot of times when I go fishing, I don't get to spend a lot of time fishing because I'm either guiding or I'm taking friends out who don't know how to row a boat. So I'm out, and I'm, I have these two friends that are guides, and they're like, hey, you want to go fish? And I'm like, dude, that'd be awesome. So we're just taking turns. I have this great hat that says if you can't row, you can't go. Okay? So I was wearing that hat. And it got to the point where I started out in the morning, I was rowing, and then we switched up to take turns. And... I got in the front of the boat, and mind you, this was before we were getting the onslaught of rain, um, but it was kind of cold, right? Being not a lot of sun, and we were fishing on the Trinity River for steelhead. And so I get ready, and you know, when you're fishing, when you're guiding, it's all about safety, and you're trying to make sure people don't get hurt. But when you're fishing, it's like I don't care about any of those things. I want to catch as many fish as possible. And so we were dropping in, and we're going through this really fast rapid, and. And I'm like, at the last minute, before I should have, I stood up to make a cast. And then right at that moment, we hit a rock, and I went face first, dived into the river, okay? I mean, like, you know, waders fill up with water. I was like, you know, <laughs> like, oh, look at all those fish, look at you know? And I'm like, and I, and I get out, and, and it's not very deep. You know, I stand up, and it's about that deep. And I mean, my hat and my glasses are gone. Waders are full of water, and... And, of course, the people I'm with me are just dying laughing. I mean, because I, I, like, did an Olympic dive. It was like head, I would have gotten a 10, you know. And so I get out, and I'm just – and I was like – it was kind of funny because I was like, I've never had that happen. I've had people do that, but I have never had that happen. And so I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, my face is all red. And uh, I'm like, I don't know what to do because we had just started fishing, right? And so I'm like – I take off my waders, and I had these, like – these uh, sweats on that were not the kind that are going to dry easily. So, like, I take my sweats off. I mean, we're on the side of the road. Where I, I'm getting naked, basically. Okay? And I have, like, my boxers on, and I'm wringing out my pants. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm like, i got to get this stuff dry. So 
my boat becomes like this drying table, so I have all my sweats all out there, and I'm floating down the river with a jacket on and my underwear. <laughs> and I'm like, this is going to be awkward if we run into anybody. Um, but anyway, what I've learned over the years is that um, having extra clothing is really important. And I didn't have, I normally do, but the only thing I had was an extra pair of socks because I have socks all over. I mean, like, that's the one thing that I like, I'm a pack rat when it comes to. I have socks in my office right now because you never know, okay? All right? And so, uh, so anyway, I always have socks in my, my uh, truck or just around my bags. And um, the other day, I'm here at the, the vineyard, and I was, in, in, I was just in the foyer, foyer working a little bit, and somebody knocked on the door, and I was like, oh, okay. And so kind of, we always have the doors locked, um, but we, you know, if it's me, I saw him, I walked out there, and I was like, hey, what's up? And, and he, he, was some, he was mute. He couldn't speak. And he just looked at me, and he mouthed to me, do you have shoes, extra shoes? And he, it was raining, and he just had sandals on. And I was like, I, and I don't have an extra pair of shoes, but I don't. And I was like, oh, I have an extra pair of socks, though. Like, oh, can you hold on? And he's just looking at me, and he's just soaked. And so I walked out to my, my truck, and I got a pair of socks, and I brought them back to him. I said, this is all I have, man. I'm sorry. You know, and he's like, oh, took it. And, like, right there, before anything could happen, he just takes off his old socks, puts on the new ones, throws the old socks right at the door and then leaves. And I was like, I was like, what just happened? Like, you know, now, and, I, and so what happened is he just, you know, he put on the new socks and he took off and, the, and then he, he left his old one. I don't like old socks. Like, I don't like feet a whole lot, right? And I was just like, oh, so you might have come last week and you noticed there's a pair of socks. And I was like, I am picking them up at the very, before Sunday, okay? I'm like, I'm not doing it. Um, but I was like, I was a little frustrated because here's the thing, um, and maybe you feel this way too, is when you, with all these different challenges we have, it's kind of frustrating when you help people and then they just litter, right? And that's that's what I was I was going through. So I'm a little, I was like, you know, help people, no good deed goes unpunished. And I was just stewing on it, you know, like, man, why can't he just take his socks with him? I had like this really bad attitude. And my parents were here, and so we went out to we went out to eat, and I was just sitting there, and I was like, still like. They dry, you know. Like I was kind of, I was kind of arguing myself, and then, and I was just like sitting, and I was like almost unable to really enjoy the Chinese food we were getting. And then I was like, I was telling my family about it, and, and like two minutes later, guess who walks right by? Yeah, and guess whose socks he's wearing? Yeah, and I'm like, oh man. And then I had this, this like, oh, I felt like the Holy Spirit just was like highlighting to me the need to pray for him, you know, and it's like, get over that thing, you know, and so I just said a little prayer for him, and, and, but it got me thinking a lot about how sometimes it feels like the little things that we do for people, you wonder if they actually make a difference, right, like these small random acts of kindness, or these small little things we do, do they actually make a difference in the big picture, and, and so I had been really thinking about that a lot, because I was frustrated, and and I was trying to figure out, you know, do they? And, and I know the pastor answer is yes, right? I know the church answer is that yes, those things make a difference. But honestly, um, sometimes it's hard to, to really see the value of being faithful or 
um, doing the small things and believing that they're going to have an impact. I mean, that's just the reality. I think many of us in this room maybe feel that way. I mean, is that true? Anybody who feel that way? And so I found myself asking that question. You know, God, do these, do these small random acts of kindness make any difference in the world? Um, and, and I was wrestling with that. And so really quick review. The last two weeks, two weeks ago, we, we spent some time as a church, um, and I shared a bit about how I had really sensed that the Holy Spirit had spoken to me about me, my per- personally, my personal life, and then just leading in the church that there were some things that had been neglected and that we needed to, to begin doing. I needed to begin doing specifically. And, and I spent some time talking about some of those things. And, um, and we, we talked about last week this idea of not growing weary of doing good. Paul says that in Galatians 6. He says, do not grow weary of doing good. And I know that many of us in this room, sometimes we get weary, don't we? We do these random acts of kindness. We do these things for people, and we don't always see the fruit, and it, and it gets weary. It gets really, it, sometimes it's frustrating. And so this week what I want to do is I want to remind us of a truth that I have discovered after following Jesus for most of my life. After pastoring for, for 19 years and being in ministry for 25, I've, I've seen something happen in, re, in a reoccurring way. Like, it's, I believe this. And, and I do believe that little steps matter. I believe that those little things matter. And I believe that those giant leaps that we often take are, are actually rewarded in the kingdom of God. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to read from the Gospel of Luke. I want to read the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. And... And just hang out with me today as we just spend a little time wrestling with, with what Jesus and his early disciples help us understand. This is what we read in Luke 5. It says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. Really quickly, Simon is Simon Peter, who later we will know is just Peter. So Simon Peter, its owner, Jesus asked him to push him out in the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go where outward is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master. Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. And Father, I ask now for us to... to hear from your, your Holy Spirit through Scripture. And Lord, I pray that we would, as a community and as individuals, that we would hear the ways that we can put this into practice. And that you would help us to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And God, would you have your way, and, and Lord, you can simultaneously bring conviction You can bring encouragement, you can bring hope, you can bring a sense of grace, you can do all of those things in this room. So any need 
that we have this morning you can meet. And I ask that you do that this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've been around the vineyard, especially our church, if you've been around the vineyard at all, you'll know that we are super big on this concept of discipleship. Like, it's something that's at the forefront of a lot of the things that we do, that we say, and how we put together our plans as, as a ministry. And, and I want to just talk about discipleship for a minute, because it kind of gets into the point of this whole text. Um, you know, some people are confused about what a disciple is or what discipleship is. Even people in the church, it's like, I'm not really sure what that means. And so just to help us think about that, a Christian disciple is someone who follows. That was so great. You were so close. Let's try that again. A Christian disciple is someone who follows Jesus. And discipleship is where we learn to participate in Jesus' way. We learn about them. It's where we become more like Jesus by being obedient to his commands. Okay? That's what discipleship is. Um, but another thing about discipleship that I think is important is that we need to realize that discipleship is a process, and it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. And what I mean by that is that in a room like this where we've got a bunch of people from different backgrounds, what we have to acknowledge is that God is doing different things in each one of us. So like some of you, you know, you might come and the Lord might speak to you about the way that you treat people and bring conviction to that. And you're like, oh my gosh, I need to, I need to stop doing that. And then others of you in this room, it might be addictions. God's going to free you from those things and you, need, you know that you need to turn from that. Others in this room might feel conviction about biting their nails. And the rest of us are like, I don't get it. I don't get it, but that's... And, and the whole point of discipleship is that it's a process, and, and that process, for some people, it seems like it's really quick. Right? Have any of you ever met someone who, like, goes from being, like, really not Christian to all of a sudden they're, like, the most holy person you know? Right? Like, so annoying. Right? Like, okay, you memorized the Bible last night. Cool. You know what I mean? And, and the point, though, is that it's a process, and, and people are at different spaces and stages in their journey with Jesus. And the hardest thing to do, I think, as a church, is to be okay with that. It's so hard. Because we get judgy, don't we? It's like, I don't know, when I became a Christian, I stopped doing that immediately. Never mind all those things I didn't stop. And so discipleship's a process, and, but it, it's all throughout Scripture we see there's this process of growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus, as Peter describes it. And then we also need to, I think, think about discipleship as it's where we learn to surrender more and more to God. If you're in the process of discipleship, you're being shaped and formed into the image of Jesus, what that means is that you, over the course of time, begin to realize that you can no longer hold up no trespassing signs on parts of your life. You realize that you have to take those signs down and say, God, all that I have and all that I am is yours. And I want you to help me to become more like Jesus. And what's wonderful, because this is important, is that it's not by our strength. If we're trying to do it on our own, guess what? Never going to happen. We're going to fail time and time again. But this is why... The Bible promises us that God has given us his Holy Spirit to be at work inside of us to help us to become more like Jesus. And so here in Luke 5, 
I think we see a picture of the beginning stages of discipleship. Like, you have to understand that what's been happening up until this point in Luke chapter 4, we have Jesus essentially launch out into his public ministry. He, he more or less says, the kingdom of God is upon you, and he starts preaching the good news. And he's been preaching a lot. He, in fact, what we read is that Jesus is traveling all around, and he's preaching the message of the kingdom, and he's proclaiming and demonstrating the message of the kingdom. And what I mean by that is he's healing people. He is, he is freeing people from demonic oppression. And it's week after week. And so Simon Peter, he's heard about Jesus. You read throughout the, the Gospel of Luke in chapter 4 multiple times. It says that Jesus, he preaches so powerfully, the crowds are blown away. Like, oh, my God. This guy speaks as, a, as one who has authority. He knows what he's talking about. And so what's happening is there's this growing buzz happening. And so week after week, Jesus is going to synagogues, to these these religious institutions for Judaism where the people would gather, very similar to this, where they would gather, hear scripture, pray together. And he keeps teaching them about the kingdom. And so Simon Peter's been hearing this for a while. He's, he's caught on that Jesus is influential. And at some point in time in Luke 4, Simon says, hey, why don't you come over to my house for a meal? And I just want to go on record is that people who are in ministry like being invited out for meals. Just wanted to put that out there, okay? Talking, that's right. In fact, we don't know what they had at Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house. But anyway, they're, they're at Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house, and she gets sick, and then Jesus, all the crowd says, heal her, and then Jesus heals her, okay? Which I think says a lot about the kingdom of God if Jesus heals a mother-in-law. Moving on. Moving on, moving on. Later, now we find in, in Luke 5, Jesus is preaching to this large crowd. And, and in the ancient world, there's no microphones. And so Jesus is preaching. And what happens is he says, hey, I need to be able to get a different place to speak because this isn't great here. So he sees this boat and he says, hey, can I get in that boat? And then Peter, will you just row me out a little bit so I can now speak to this, this whole crowd. And so we have Peter, Peter do that. And I think there's a lot of small steps that are in this text. There's this picture here that I think highlights for us this process of discipleship uh, that people go through where, where it seems like our faith journey is a combination of a bunch of small steps over the course of time that lead to giant leaps. And, and what I love about this is that there's something in this story and all throughout the Bible that helps us understand that within the kingdom of God, small things do matter. Small things make a huge difference. And just as a couple examples elsewhere in the Bible, in, in the book of Zechariah, we, we stumble upon this, this verse. I mean, listen to this. Um, the prophet writes these words, Do not despise these small beginnings. Don't despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work of the done. I mean, I look back and think about, you know, over the course of just the seven years that we've been here. I mean, when I found that coffee little station there, the port, I was like, man, like, I, now it's like, how would we, we would never be able to have enough coffee. But at the time that it was happening, it made sense. It was very intimate and 
we could sit together and, and do that. And, and it, was this, it was the beginning, right? Because it was coffee. And having coffee in church is Christian. I, I just believe that, right? And so we have Zechariah teaching us this. Don't despise these small beginnings. And so I don't know where you're at in this room. Maybe there's some small thing that you want to be a part of, but don't despise it. It's, it's important and it's part of what God's doing. And then we stumble upon this in 1 Timothy. I love this. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. If you're in this room and you are young-ish, okay, that changes the closer to 50 you get, right? But if you're young-ish, if, if you're a teenager, if you're a preteen, or it doesn't matter. If you're young, here's the thing. You can make an impact for the kingdom of God. Amen? Like, young people can make an impact for the kingdom. And then I want to just put this out there. We read this text, and we're like, oh, yeah, God bless those 15-year-old kids. Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is probably around 40 years old. I'm 43. I'm young. Thank you. I proved my point. Okay? Just wanted to put that out there. Throughout the Bible, we see that people are commended time and time again for small steps of faith small acts of kindness, small beginnings of obedience, small demonstrations of discipleship. So I think we could argue that was it worth it? Yes, it was worth it. It was worth it. And starting out with the small things is where life in the kingdom often begins. It's a small yeses. This is what I think is interesting. It's the small yeses that lead to exponential growth to where you get more opportunities and more responsibilities. It's like you become Spider-Man with great power, comes great responsibility, right? But elsewhere in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus teaches the same thing. He says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in larger ones. And in the context, Jesus is talking about finances, and he's also talking about things, material things. And the point that Jesus is essentially making is that if you want to be given more responsibility and more opportunity to be a blessing to people in the world with your finances... And with your material things, if you want that, you have to be faithful with the little things. You start small, and then God blesses it, and guess what happens? You get more opportunities to bless people. And that's one of the beautiful things about the kingdom. And Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians, um, when he, he, he basically teaches that he got this point where he understood that all this money was coming in through his ministry so that he could give it out to other people. And I think that's kind of the goal we have here as the church. And I, I just think this is so important, though. Yeah, yeah, I, I just too. Yesterday, yesterday we had a few men get together to talk about future men's ministry things. And, and one of the men there shared this really cool story. Um, he was talking about how he, he's like, yeah, I actually, this last Sunday, I gave for the first time at the church. And and, and I was like, that's awesome, right? Because it's a, it's, a, it's a first small step of obedience. Are you with me? And I was like, that's cool. And then he's like, he's like and, and then, I don't know if it was a next day or so, he's like, and then I walk in and I look down in this puddle and there's a $20 bill in the puddle. And it was like, God just blessed him for his obedience. Well, I don't know about you, but anybody else have a, ever had that happen? Where, where you discover through giving that you can't outgive God? Have you found that to be true? Because if you haven't, I'm telling you right now, test him. It's crazy. I, I remember when I was, I just started pastoring, and, and Don and I were like, we had no money. We were 
don't get the wrong. We were basically paying this church to let me be their pastor. That's essentially what it was. Not really, but it was basically like that, okay? And, I mean, I was, like, fresh out of seminary, and I was desperate. I was like, oh, man. And so all these people in this church that were just knew that we were, you know, we were a young family with no money. They, we would just get blessed. Like, people would randomly give us money. And, and something had happened like that where somebody blessed us. And I, I think I got, like, somebody gave me, like, $400 or $500. I was like, oh, man, we are rich. You don't remember when $500 was like, you're rich? Yeah, I was like, we can go do whatever we want. Sizzlers, right? Yeah. And we were so pumped. And, but then I, then God spoke to me. And I felt like the Lord said that I was supposed to give this money to a friend of mine who is even worse than us. You know, and I was like, oh, fine, Jesus. And I, and I gave him the money. And like, like two weeks later, I ran into this other person we knew who also, it's like everybody was poor, by the way, back then. But this other person was like, oh, man, we've just been so financially strapped. It's been so hard. And. But, man, wouldn't you know, the other day we ran into Jeremiah, who I had gave the money to, and Jeremiah blessed us with $500. And I was like, I gave that money to him for him. I was so mad. I was so mad. I was so mad. I was like, doesn't he know Jesus told me to give it to him because he needs it? And I was like, having this argument. And, but it was like in that season, I'm just, what was crazy is that, we just got demonstrated time and time again that when we would be generous, it's like God would just bless us over and over again. And it was like, it was amazing. And, and I'm really praying, like, this year I want to I be better in that area of my life. It's one of my, not New Year's resolutions, but New Year's plans. Because if you don't plan something, it ain't going to happen, right? Right? Yeah. So this, this concept of generosity and, and being faithful with the little things is really, really all over Scripture. And so really... I think for us, the, the really the key questions that we need to ask ourselves, each one of you in this room, you need to be asking yourself are, what are the small steps that you need to take to continue following Jesus? What are the small steps? And there's a, a number of things that I've been hearing from people in our church because God, I think God's been at work in the last few weeks here. I really do. And I, I've heard numerous people share that they have had a sense of being more committed to community. They're like, I have been kind of dragging my feet to, to get more involved and plugged in, and I, you know, I don't really, I'm not always around. And this year I want to be better about being regularly a part of the church community. And, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. By the way, I've never met anybody who said that, did that, and then was like, yeah, I was terrible. Like, when you commit to that, it just seems like when God's inviting you to that, to that, there's positive fruit. And I've, I've heard people talk about being more intentional about giving of their time and their finances and their service. And like, this year, I want to center my life more on Jesus and the kingdom. And then another way that I think that some of you in this room maybe need to consider how you could take a small step is, is getting baptized. We're, we're having a baptism service at the end of this month, and that is... One of the ways that we publicly proclaim that we are identifying ourselves with Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection. And so that's, a, that's one way that you could, you could be a part of, of taking a small step. What I, what I want to do really quickly now is I want to just read the last couple of verses of Luke chapter 5. And this is what we, we, we discover. What's happened is Jesus just preached. He was in a, in a boat. He, he got rowed out there by Simon, super small step. He preaches, and then he tells Simon Peter to fish, and he catches crazy amount of fish. 
says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus, and he said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as, he, as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So there's, if there's one thing that we can learn from this passage, like, there's one thing. I think it's that Jesus is a much better fisherman than basically everybody. Right? Uh, remember, you know, I, I just think in context here, we have to realize that Peter had been fishing his entire life. Okay, in this, in this ancient cultural context, he was a fisherman because his dad was a fisherman and his grandpa was a fisherman and all of his friends were fishermen. And so his whole entire life had been spent fishing and this was his craft. This is what he knew. This is what he was good at. And so in the story, what we have is Peter's like, Jesus, I've already been out here doing that. And if you fish a lot, you know that some days they're just not eating, right? They're just not. It's tough sometimes. And so Peter's like, listen, Jesus, I've already been doing this, but okay, I'll do it. And I'm pretty sure, given what we know about Peter, is he was looking forward to not catching any fish to shove it in Jesus' face, right? And so we, we have that leading up to this. And so Peter throws out the nets, and boom, he catches so many fish that it almost sinks his boat. And, and I think this lowering the net, thing is another example of a small step of faith, right? It's another example of just a small step of faith. And, and Peter and the other fishermen, I think they had to trust Jesus, right? So when Peter saw all the fish that, had, that they had caught, it all clicked, and he began to see Jesus for who he was, the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One that had come down from heaven. And this is where we come to the most inspiring and the most challenging part of this passage, because after all of these small steps, and after Jesus has kept every promise, and he keeps demonstrating who he is, these early disciples, they take a huge, giant leap of faith. And this is what I mean by that. Let's back up. Fishing is how people made their money in the ancient world, right? I mean, this is how Peter is going to provide for his family and as a person who does a bit of guiding on the side, I can tell you that it's feast or famine. Like sometimes you can, you can guide a lot or you can fish a lot and catch a lot of fish. And other times you're just, there's other things you got to do. And so here we have in the story, Peter knows that the fishing's not good, right? And, and, it's, and it's in this moment that they take this small step of faith and they throw out the net and then they catch a bunch of fish. And that leads to the giant leap. After catching all of those fish, what they should have done is taken all the fish, gotten it all prepared, sold it, and made a bunch of money. But in the text, Luke leaves us a clue. It says that they left everything and they followed Jesus. They left everything behind and they followed Jesus. Why? Because they had come to a place where they understood that there was something that was more valuable and more important than this not bad thing. Fishing is not bad. I want to go on record as saying that, right? 
It's not a bad thing. But what they saw is that it was a distraction, and it was something that was going to lead them away from what God was inviting them to. And so they left everything behind, and they began to follow Jesus. And so the question I think that we have to wrestle with is where are the small steps that Jesus is inviting us in? And then also, is it time to make a giant leap? Is it time to make a giant leap? Because what I have found in my own life is that when I came to a place where I came to understand kingdom math and kingdom logic, it made sense to leave everything behind and follow Jesus. And here's what I mean by kingdom math and kingdom logic. We discover that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And that realization and that knowledge is what inspires us to leave things behind because we want to pursue Jesus and his kingdom. Let's stand up together.